one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Friday evening podcast and Bible study. We're glad to have our friends on Facebook, our friends on Mike Springston FFC podcast, our friends on uh, Lift Him Higher Radio, and um, uh, our friends that will join us eventually on YouTube. We want to remind you here that we will be starting this new channel on YouTube uh, this month. Uh, Mike Springston Ministries FFC will be our new location on YouTube, and we invite you to come and join us. Our uh, Those that have uh, subscribed to our YouTube channel, our old one, come on over and join us on the new one. There'll be more content there. Um, we want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Tonight we're going to talk on the study concerning advocacy, and I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, so let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us directly from your position as the man in the Godhead. From there, show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We will receive it. We will then... uh, Deliver it to your people and release it to them so that we all can be ministered to and be blessed by the precious power that your voice and your word has. We ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. We're beginning today to explore the activities that Jesus produces on the spiritual side. We're going to talk first about divine advocacy and how it's provided to the follower of Christ. As we come into the kingdom of His dear Son, we come in due to our association with the force of righteousness. When we do, there are three dynamic events that occur upon us. Now before I go there, I want to tell you, most people never come here because they don't know about it. Most people never go there because they're not taught, because they're living in churches that are leaving them stranded in a lifestyle that's closer to darkness than it is to light. And therefore they struggle and they hover around the cross and they circle there all the time. But whenever we come in the process that not only uh, Paul is teaching us in Ephesians, but that he teaches in all of his writing. When we come correctly, we cross the grace, the bridge of grace, and righteousness is being led by truth into the divine side where we become a citizen, no longer just a person or a member, but we become a citizen of a kingdom whose ruler and king is Jesus Christ. Three things happen. Number one, we are elected. Number two, we are adopted and become the children of God. And number three, We are sealed by the work of the Holy Spirit into our citizenship and then now operating under the rule of the King who is Jesus Christ, who is the King of the Kingdom. 
This will be important as we study advocacy. Jesus Christ, who has become our righteousness now, who has brought us into the kingdom and placed us, quote, in him, will now proceed to function on our behalf in a completely different model than he functioned in the earthy model. You remember in the earthy model, he was our forgiveness, our preserver, and our deliverer. Now he is going to function under three new models of salvation, safety, soundness, and wholeness. And from these three new functions, our ruler is going to operate in three distinct ways directly to be able to minister to us. He's going to be our advocate who uh, executes as advocate out of his position as high priest. He's going to be our mediator who executes that position from the exalted place of his lordship. He's going to be our intercessor. And, and as he is reseated at the right hand of majesty and becomes the man in the Godhead bodily, he's going to become our intercessor. What a wonderful position to be in. Now notice that these operations are all enacted not in the earthy side of the work of Jesus, but on the spiritual side of the border that's crossed by one who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Now let's examine the first operation that is overseen by the high priest. It is the condition that is produced for the sanctified one who has become the brother of Jesus Christ, and it is based upon his position as high priest. As we mentioned in his priesthood, the blood takes on a more significant meaning to the one who is now living in righteousness than the shed blood that came from the body as he was crucified. In the tabernacle, the blood is no longer used in the process of forgiveness as it was, as it was shed from the cross. It is used, now the blood is used, as a process that brings sanctification. Of course, that's a work upon the follower that has never been done. The cross could not do that. It could not accomplish that work. It was not designed to do that. Uh, it was not placed in the position from which... It occurred in the divine order of God for that purpose. Remember the cross is the catalyst. As the blood is sprinkled on the vessels of ministry, the design of the Godhead is revealed. The plan of God is revealed in the lampstand. Hi, Brother Wolf. In the lampstand as it was both vertically moving upward, how it moved from holiness all the way to the fire of the Holy Spirit, and then descending as the Holy Spirit uh, was used to transmit the light into the world all the way down to the plan of righteousness. So we saw the vertical climb of the process of God and then the vertical come, uh, coming back into the earth of the process of God. So it, it vertically goes upward and vertically downward. The plan of use for the body and the blood that operates in sanctification is revealed as the follower partakes of the power in the blood for maintaining the covenant of righteousness and righteous relationship 
so that Jesus, who is now in them, can maintain this position of righteousness. Then the follower, after he is at the lampstand, goes to the next uh, furniture, where that is the table of showbread, and he eats of the body and drinks of the blood, that is Jesus Christ. Now, as he remains, uh, as, he, as the follower eats the body of Jesus Christ, here is what he is doing. He is remaining attached to the seven works that Jesus accomplished that would impact now how he would be able to remain in this world but be safe from this world. Well, look at it. Jesus bled from his sweat so that our will could become his will. He bled from the crown of thorns so that our mind and emotions could become the mind and emotions of Christ. Our mouth from bleeding around, uh, and, and of course this blood fell over his eyes and his ears as well, but our mouth would speak a new authority that would be given to him by the dominion that's in the name of Jesus. Our ears from which the blood flowed would hear his voice. Our eyes would be enlightened to the revelation of wisdom and knowledge of which Paul taught us in the first chapter of Ephesians. We would be healed spiritually by the wounds and physically by the wounds that were placed upon his back. We would be engaged with the assembly of believers known as the church. We would have the anointing of his hands to complete his work and we would have every step of our journey protected. So as they step into this place where the table of showbread is and it's on the Acacia wood which represents what happened on the cross, these ingesting of this body brings us into the safety of what the body accomplished for us. We would engage with these assembly of believers and this powerful and dynamic release that's come to us through the sanctifying blood of Jesus Christ has been provided for us as a high priest. Then, of course, we go into the altar of incense where the blood is sprinkled. Now, when we get here, this is the culmination of work that is accomplished on our behalf by the sprinkling of blood on the vessels of ministry in the sanctuary. As the smoke moves upward, and fills the doorway of the Holy of Holies, a smell is produced. That is a sweet savor. That smell becomes a sweet savor to the Father. Here comes the smell of triumphant blood. Here comes the smell of victorious blood. Here comes the man who is about to enter into the Godhead with a new body that is full of righteousness because he has met the standard and become the righteous standard of victory. Here comes the one who has plundered the house of the wicked and stepped on him from the foundation to the neck. What a glorious moment this becomes in the history of the divine universe. Of course, initially, the one coming in from the smoke was Jesus Christ. They sang, Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, 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 what a moment it was. But as he entered, he made a pathway. That pathway was so that you could journey and follow him.
on this day and at this moment, there is another entrance that's coming into the throne room of God. It's one coming through the smoke that has been accepted by the sprinkling of that blood, sanctified, made acceptable. The one has been accepted, that one has been completed the eating and the drinking of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That one has come to the threshold of the Holy of Holies. And there he is absolutely, unashamedly referred to as a brother of Jesus Christ. Now on the other side of that smoke resides a man who knew your infirmities. And he has been touched with them on your behalf. He took your infirmities and exchanged them for you with his own righteousness. He is seated in his position at the right hand of majesty. The person comes through the smoke bodily now to enter in to the throne room of grace. That one has received the privilege of being accepted. The freedom of entrance Through the smoke that one appears and heaven sounds off as if Jesus has entered the room. They sing, worthy is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. That one that enters in is me. I enter into the throne room of God because I have come through the process of God by righteousness crossing the bridge of grace, being led by truth, now becoming a citizen of a new kingdom who is led by a king whose name is Jesus Christ who has made a way for me to be sanctified by him being the high priest of his own sacrifice who himself has entered in through the smoke and now has been exalted as Lord. And as I enter in, he says to me, Come and be seated here with me together because I have brought you. You are in me. You are no longer who you once were. You are no longer living in darkness. You are living in light. Glory to God. What a precious moment. Here we are now, seated in heavenly places. What happens because we're in the throne room of God? We have come into it boldly because of his righteousness. What do we do? We find grace and mercy that calls out to be our help in time of need. We have been accepted. Yes, you said, Pastor, someday when this life is over, I'll be seated with him. Won't that be a great day? We'll sing songs about it. The old folks will shout about it. They will talk about those that have died and gone on before who are standing there and encouraging them to come. They will talk about the chorus that is being sung in heaven. Come on, brother. Come on, Satan. They'll rejoice. They'll go to tears. And it will be just a wonderful moment in time. Because they never understood. That is not the moment of time I'm speaking of. Nor is it the moment of time that Paul preached of. My friend, there is coming a day when all that I just spoke will occur. It will happen. But this meeting, in the air, for you and me, 
was meant by the grand design of God to be transpiring every day for anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ in his journey. Look at what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1. It will solve your thinking on the great by and by, and it will turn you into one who lives in the great now and the great later and the great tomorrow and the great then. Paul said in Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins that we might be delivered. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. He gave himself to deliver us from the evil that is ongoing in this present age. It is not something to be done one glad day when this life is over will fly away. No, no, my friend. What Jesus Christ has done to us is as present and operational and done for us, it is as present and operational as the condemnation pronounced on the unbeliever in John chapter 3. We are living in the eternal economy of God provided we are following him. Now, if we're living more closely to darkness than we are to light, we are not there. If we are shrouded by our activity in the cross, we are not there. If we are living after the flesh, we are not there. If we have never come into the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are not there. Therefore, we have stunted our own ability to be uh, transformed and translated into a place where it is a present tense deliverance from evil. We have no means not to give place to the devil is what I'm telling you. What he spoke in 427, you have no connection to be able to say, well, I'm just not going to give place to the devil because your flesh is still raging. Your flesh is still warring. Your lust, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, they're still warring for it. And you have no mechanism except forgiveness to try to hold back the onslaught of the devil. Why? Because you refuse to go to the place that you must go to find your deliverance. And then you refuse to go to the place that Paul said, if you be risen with Christ, then you got to seek those next things. What are they? They're the things that are above. They're the place where Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Now as he sits there, he does three distinct things. He is your advocate because your relationship to both the blood and faith changes. He is your mediator because your relationship to his lordship now has brought you under the new covenant where the new covenant makes him the greater and you the lesser. That's why the word said greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So now, and then the third piece is he becomes your intercessor. And we now fall under what Paul taught. We have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Well, what are they? 
Well, they're the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They're the faith mechanism that changes you into the life that you now live. You live by the faith of the Son of God. And then there is the baptism that we have all equated to the dunking that is done on the earth, and it is not. It is the baptism in the ministry of the Holy Spirit because it is from there He intercedes. So we have so many misconceptions, so many misunderstandings, so many things that are literally stunting the growth of the believer and causing the believer to never develop into maturity because no one is telling them how to. We're telling them, go to the cross, go to the cross. I'm going to show you in a minute how going to the cross is a great thing unless you have come into the, tasted the good word of God and tasted the power of the world to come. I'll show you that in a minute. He gave himself to deliver us from this present age, not one day. Uh, this is the will of God, brethren, that you walk in to the presentation and the power and the purpose of Jesus Christ until you are able to be delivered from the evil of this present day. It's not a great by and by moment. It will be a great moment. That will be a great day. We will all be glad when that day comes and takes us out of this world of sorrow. But in the economy of God, God made a way. Already done, already affirmed, Jesus is already seated, His feet are already up, and God has made Him a promise, every enemy is going to become your footstool. But we're waiting in the great by and by because no one is telling us and teaching us what I'm trying to tell you and teach you. Why is that? Well, because obviously they have not put the pieces of the puzzle into place. Now, are we to experience the deliverance of Jesus Christ's work in our present surroundings? Yes, we are. And my friend, I rejoice in that. I have the freedom of not living in bondage and captivity right now. We must learn Christ in such a way that we can worship in the place where we are seated with Him. But if we don't come through righteousness, having gone through the resurrection, cross the bridge of grace, be led, let righteousness be led by the justice of God until we come into the place of which He has changed our relationship both to faith and the blood and sanctified us, we cannot be there. We cannot go there because we have never received the three criteria. We've never been elected. We've never come into the election of the child and children of God. Read Colossians chapter 3. Read 1 Peter 1, 2. We have not come into the place where we are now adopted and becoming the children of God and neither have we come under the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're more close to darkness than we are to light. We're still trying to live in the darkness part, the earthy side of the activities and actions of Jesus Christ. Now watch. On the earth side, the Holy Ghost is a reprover. He will reprove the world of sin. He will reprove the world of righteousness. And he will reprove Satan, the power of the air, and judge him. On the spiritual side, the Holy Spirit operates. And whenever we come crossways... He works as being grieved. He works as being grieved. There's a reason for that. On the earthy side, he is the one that is bringing conviction 
and bringing convince, con, uh, uh, convincing and convicting to us. On the heavenly side, the one that is speaking for us is Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing in these positions as advocate, mediator, and intercessor. Where he's operating in our spiritual side is that the advocate, mediator, and intercessor is using him to speak to us. Different. I rejoice in freedom. I rejoice that I'm seated with him. I rejoice in what good God has done in my life. Now, I want to ask you a question. What good does it do to have such a position and never understand, never be told how to experience it? What good does it do to have such a place of authority and not know that it's yours? What good does it do having ownership of something if you have no means to possess it? What good does it do? It's like having an inheritance of which you can't touch or not knowing about it. What good is it? My friend, you should be going into the spiritual domain every day. While we are spending time on the earthy things, trying to keep from being mad, trying to keep from backbiting, trying to keep from saying things, we should be operating in the benchmarks of the heavenly. What are they, Pastor? Well, they are holiness. They are a humble-mindedness. They are a meekness. They are a long-sufferingness. They are kindness. The benchmarks. The benchmarks. I want you to get that. They are different than the, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul tells us about them in Colossians 3. The fruit of the Spirit is used on this side of the earthy man. The benchmarks that produce holiness because of righteousness that has been brought to you by the resurrection, according to Colossians 3, are produced at the time that you become the elected children of God. Now there has to be a, 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 a dividing line here because Paul says that in Galatians 5, there is the fruit of the Spirit that follows the death of the flesh. He said, I'm, I'm being crucified in my flesh. That's how I'm producing the fruit of the Spirit. Then he goes over into Colossians and tells them now that there's going to be a seeking the things that are above that's going to come through the resurrection and righteousness that's going to take you into a whole other benchmark of behavioral identity. It's the means by which you're going to be identified in the spiritual world. That you must understand. The benchmarks of the elected child of God is that he is holy, he is pure, he operates in a humbleness of mind, he operates in a meekness, and he operates in a long-suffering nature, and then he is willing to forbear and forgive. If anybody has a quarrel, they get it solved. Why? Because they're not operating in darkness, they're operating in the benchmark of the spiritual side of light. So if we find people that want to stay in the argument, 
It is easy to detect. What are we detecting? They're living more closely to darkness than they are to light. Why? Because they're exhibiting a benchmark from the world of darkness. What is that benchmark? The operation of the flesh. What is that? It's anger and malice and all of those things, pieces of impropriety that Paul speaks about in Galatians 5. Had they got all of that under the uh, uh, blood, the operation of grace, the applied grace by faith, they would then begin to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. And you would locate them there. Now then, the fruit of the Spirit goes further on now, not the fruit of the Spirit, but the benchmarks of a man who is operating in righteousness now is very clearly identified. They are identified because it comes on them because they're the children, the elect children of God. They're operating in holiness and purity and humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering, therefore bearing and forgiving. See, my friend, God did not leave one piece, iota, nor spot out of the ability for us to be able to identify our location with regard to how we were following Christ. Think about this now. God left none of it undone. And He showed us how we could not only locate but identify where people are on the spectrum of salvation. Because whenever they crucify the flesh, they'll start operating from a spirit that is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, uh, kindness, gentleness, meekness, faith, all of those. Now, whenever they come over into righteousness, they're going to operate on another set of uh, ideals, characteristics, personalities. Now, watch where they come from. They are the characteristics and personalities and traits of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you are righteous. You have come in Him. What happens? You're elected. You're holy. You're pure. You're operating from a wholeness of mind. You're operating from a meekness. You're operating from a long-suffering ability. You're operating from a place where you can forgive. You're operating from a place where you can be patient. My friend, these are truths of the Word of God that even some in positions of spiritual authority don't understand. Why? How could that be? Because no one is telling them what I'm telling you. No one is teaching them what I'm teaching you. And therefore, they live in a position where they are teetering back and forth with darkness. What a sad condition. The will of God, Paul said, the will of God is in Galatians 1.4, that He deliver you from the evil of this present world. And that is according to the, the will or the grand design of the plan of God for your life. Father, I pray that You will minister to Your people, that You will open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand and we'll be changed. We ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our High priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. I saw Tim and Sharon and Tammy, and I, I'm sure Jim is listening, and, and uh, I appreciate all those of you that come on and share this with us. 
I pray that it's being a blessing to you. My Facebook friends, God bless you. I'll speak to you again tomorrow and we'll pick up on the plan of advocacy, the divine plan of advocacy. May God richly bless you, Facebook. May God bless you, my friends, on podcast. Find Him as Jesus. Find Him as Lord. There you'll find Him in the privilege of using His name. Find Him as the man in the Godhead bodily, and from there He'll show you great mighty things that are to come. May God bless you is my prayer.